Hello and welcome to D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we're joined by Nishal Kumar, the man behind No Days Wasted, a brand focused on wellness products that help you make the most of your day after a long night out. Together we unpack the intricacies of D2C marketing, sharing invaluable insights and experiences from the field. Here's a glimpse of what's in store in this episode. You'll learn all about ground game essentials, the importance of grassroots initiatives, and why personal touch points in marketing remained hyper relevant. You'll learn about engaging the right audience. We delve into the world of affinity marketing and the role of influence in shaping brand perception. We'll also talk about the Think Global, Act Local approach, where you'll learn about creating localized communities, engaging them directly, and adapting products to cater to their specific needs. Tune in for a candid conversation about branding, community engagement, and the changing landscape of D2C marketing, and maybe why the word hangover is actually a dirty word. Hope you enjoy this one. On with the show. Think global, act local, build these little pockets of communities that would be interested in what you're creating. The good thing Facebook has is Facebook groups, right? If that's where your potential customers hang out, create Facebook groups, start inviting people to it, start getting them in there as product testers, start building that little bit of a community in one spot where you can chat with them. Then ultimately listen to them and provide them with exactly the solution they want that may be vastly different from what you envision creating, but at least you know it'll sell because you already have your customers in one place. They're already acquired and really chomping at the bit to get what you have, right? Because it's a direct request from them. Have you ever listened to the D2C podcast and thought to yourself, just imagine the D2C and Pilot House created the ultimate learning experience for meta ads? Imagine no more. Here on the D2C podcast, providing value to our listeners is the name of the game. But when it comes to mastering the most powerful social ad platform, Meta Ads, interviews and newsletter articles just don't give you the whole picture. That's why we created Scale School Meta Ads. So now you can own Pilot House's step-by-step system for creating profitable Meta Ads, backed by over half a billion in profitable ad spend and taught by Pilot House's team leads who are personally responsible for managing millions of dollars of Meta Ad spend every single month. Learning a complex platform like Meta Ads can be daunting, and with almost unlimited options to reach your target audience with your hard-earned money, how can you be sure that you're spending efficiently? Only with a well-defined step-by-step system that clearly shows you how to hone your ads into lean, mean, profitably scaling winners. Strategizing, budgeting, tracking, targeting, testing, creative, landing pages, generative AI, you'll learn it all with DSC's Scale School Meta Ads. Available now as a standalone course or as a one-year learning experience where you get monthly access to a collaborative environment where you get to work with D2C and Pilot House teams to maximize your chance of becoming a meta ads master. Join Pilot House and D2C and join Scale School if you're ready to transform your skills, your agency, or your brand with the ultimate meta ads learning experience. Join today in October for the absolute best deal. You're never going to get Scale School at a price this low again. Hope to see you on the inside. Let's go. Scale school. Scale it up. Michelle, welcome to the D2C podcast. It's uh, been a long time coming. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Eric. I appreciate it. So we connected uh, through Carly. You're, you're another one of uh, a Carly Craig introduction. So, so give me give me the story of uh, No Days Wasted. Yeah, so No Days Wasted is um, obviously a little bit of a play on words um, for the brand name, you know, uh, Essentially, our hero product is something you take after having a couple of drinks, as you can see right here, um, and helps you 
get back to doing what you love and feel normal the next day. It's ultimately meant for the high performers. Uh, so, you know, you can feel your best, but, um, and then it's kind of just opened up this can of worms for us in, in terms of, you know, what other products can we put out so people can maximize life's moments, really make use of the time they have here. If they have downtime, have it be on their terms. Um, that's very important. Uh, so you're not feeling sluggish, not feeling sick, not feeling under the weather as a result of whether it be working out too hard, whether it be staying out too late or whatever the case may be. So we want everything to be on your own terms. We focus on the experience and the and the moments. Um, ultimately, that's where spending has shifted. People want to spend money on doing things, traveling, celebrating the moments rather than purchasing material goods. So we're leaning in on that. Uh, and we like to create science-backed supplements to, to help uh, fuel those adventures. Yeah, you can tie yourself to those moments. I think that's a great point. We'll We'll go back to that for sure. I've recently become obsessed with hydration and just sort of like really working hard to drink my three, four liters of water a day. And there's, I've, I've, I had a, you know, a naturopath tell me that, you know, when you, when you just drink water, you end up not absorbing a lot of it, but when you're able to put in other minerals like salts and things like that, it actually makes it, it goes into your body a little bit more. You actually use it a little bit more. Is that sort of part of the, the science behind your product as well? Well, that's part of it too, yeah. So, I mean, with the alcohol equation, it's 80% the buildup of toxins, and that's what you want to break up, break down during your, your evening. Uh, and then also hydration is the other 20%. Also, hydration sort of anytime, anywhere is, is really important, right? Not just in the context of drinking. People are chronically dehydrated. They wake up and consume coffee first thing in the morning after sleeping um, for six to eight hours, right? And they would not have drank any water. So you are excreting, you're breathing, you're sweating, and you wake up dehydrated. So that's the first thing you need to put in your body. Um, and you need the salts to actually retain that water to keep it in your system so you're adequately uh, hydrating. And that's hypercritical. You can drink all the water in the world, but if you don't have the electrolytes, I mean, electrolytes just being a fancy word for salts, um, sodium and potassium, and then also you know magnesium, calcium, and whatnot, um, you're not gonna really feel it. You're gonna be running the bathroom more often than not too. Not great for crops as idiocracy taught us, but great for humans and you're preaching to the choir. I, I fully agree. So how long has it been now? You're talking, you're expanding into new products. How long has the company been around? Yeah, No Days Wasted has been around for, we've been selling for just about five years. We'll hit five years uh, by mid-November, uh, which is really exciting. We started originally with a crowdfunding campaign and a lot of research and development into, you know, it was about a year and a half prior to that that 2018 launch. So lots went into it, you know, figuring out what the right avenue was to take in terms of our delivery of our product. Are we going to create a beverage? Are we going to create a uh, powder that you mix in water? Are you, we going to create capsules? And ultimately we kind of stuck on the point that, you know, we need to share an experience and we need to make things very shareable and convenient to take. So that's how we came up with the, the two capsules um, in a little packet. And it's easy. I can go out with 40, 50 of these packets in a night um, in my, my, my pockets and I run into people and share them with them. And, and uh, you know, if it was in a pill bottle, I wouldn't be able to do that. If it was a beverage, I wouldn't be able to do that. If it was like a stick packet form, I wouldn't be able to do that. So this is the best way to do it. And uh, yeah, people, people have been receiving it quite well over the last five years. So there's a lot of grassroots you described there, like literally, you know, you've made the product marketable on a, on a person to person level. Does it have a QR code on it as well? 
Yeah, we have a little QR code for easy access to, to reorder or learn more. One of the things we notice is, you know, people share these out when they're out with their friends. So if someone wants, you know, and maybe at the end of the night they find this packet and or the next morning they find this packet empty in their pocket and say, okay, what, you know, I want to learn a little bit more. I want to order. I want to, yeah. And, and really um, we lean in on that to try and educate and acquire customers too. Take me, but we always like to talk about Shark Tank, Dragon's Den. When did you have the Dragon's Den experience? Yeah, Dragon's Den was in the thick of COVID. So we actually filmed end of August 2020, uh, and it aired in December of that year. So I flew out to Toronto from Vancouver, and it was full mask up kind of situation. Test before the flight, test when you land, test a few hours before the show. Um, and it was it was pretty wild. So... Yeah, it was it was a blast though. It was a great personal growth experience and I was able to really go out there and just talk about what I do for a living, right? What talk about some takeaways. Like to tell me a little bit about how it went and uh, I and I'm also always interested in how people leverage the experience after the fact, specifically in their marketing. Like I imagine in a product like yours like having that exposure could be really valuable and potentially even in your marketing. Maybe maybe not to this point, but Yeah, I mean the experience was pretty awesome. I think the best part of it was the personal growth experience of being able to go up there and chat with six people and field all their questions and deal with their objections and the emotion of the whole situation all at once. So it taught me a lot about, you know, where do you prioritize your conversation? Who do, who do you lean in on? How do you deal with such just an audience all at once, right? Uh, but ultimately, I broke it down into like, they're just people up there. Uh, they may have a, a lot of accomplishments or be well-versed in their fields and have done great things. But um, if, you know, you break it down into, they're just people, I'm having a conversation with them where you need a little bit more excitement and enthusiasm, but you're talking about something that you do for a living, something you do every day, uh, it shouldn't be too challenging. So the personal experience for me was a lot of fun. I, I really tapped into like, getting a lot of reps in, practicing, um, having random people I didn't know. I would pitch to them over Zoom at that time. I would bring friends out that were willing to come during COVID and, and you know, stand 20 feet back from me, but also, you know, play devil's advocate on everything I say. And then, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I love the experience. Honestly, I think if you have a new brand or, or something you're trying to launch, uh, 100% go apply to be on Dragon's Den or Shark Tank. Uh, you as an entrepreneur or as a, as a founder or whomever will grow a lot, but also there is an opportunity, like you mentioned, on the marketing side. So getting that brand recognition, being on a, a program or a TV show that is aired nationally is is no small feat, right? And ultimately, when it comes to, say, pitching retailers or having a leg to stand on credibility-wise, you can say you got a deal on air. Okay, so let's talk about your what, like. What's been your biggest growth engine for for uh, over the last five years? Basically, is it has it been? You mentioned Amazon earlier. Is it has it been Amazon? Um, well, it's Amazon Prime Day today, which is fun. Um, yeah. For the longest time, we actually just used Amazon as a spillover tool to if people were inclined to buying on Amazon and they were they heard about it somewhere and they didn't want to buy from our website and they wanted to buy it with ten other items that they were purchasing or three other items, then they could. Um, now we push a little bit more onto Amazon because there's a lot of value for the consumer. Uh, you know, if you're gonna buy 10 different things or eight different things, you're not gonna go to eight different stores, right? Uh, you'd like to probably just get them all in one place because a testament yeah. to our brand shipping, but even time, your time is your most valuable asset. So as a consumer, if you're getting it for the, you know, the, the right price, you're getting it all at once, you're a lot more content rather than like, 
you know, chasing an extra dollar here or there and going to different places um, and maybe not even saving anything, right? Because Amazon's usually, price-wise, it's probably the best. Yeah. But for us, you know, we, we started early on with podcast advertising when it was really big um, and just started to blow up. So we were the first ever sponsor for the Call Your Daddy podcast. Yep. And um, Spittin' Chicklets has been a long-term partner yeah. of ours as well, which is a big hockey podcast. And some of those shows, along with a few others, are how we got going and really started to acquire customers out of the gate. It's really it, it comes back to that to the brand genesis, the brand story, uh, and having that like those are two perfect o- audiences for that. Like not every brand could maybe could pull that off. I think to have such big partnerships out of the gate, but when there's such good affinity with both those groups, probably, and it's a novel addition to the marketplace, that's a really smart play. Yeah, definitely. I think you have to. You know, at that point in time in 2018, 2019, podcasting was like super conversational. The ads were not blatant and explicit. Rather, they were just integrated. They would call yeah. them like live ad reads. So it's like live conversational. Like, hey, I went out last week and I took this product. I felt great the next day. So there was this level of like being organic that was just like, you know, inherent and implicit within what they were delivering. Um, and it was just so so fitting. So um, that's what led to a lot of the growth. Now it's a little bit of a different story. There's a lot of like, hey, now let's take a message away for our sponsors or like takes you away from the show. You hear five ads in a row. They're they're like cookie cutter, this and that. And then they throw you back into the show and people skip them. They don't listen or whatever the case may be. So that was a silver bullet, I have to say, for a while. Um, and now in, in e-commerce marketing or digital marketing, there isn't really much that's a silver bullet. Or if anyone knows one, let me know. But um, you got to dig a lot deeper and get a lot more creative these days. So talk, let's talk about that. What, what is, the, what is the, the hustle these days? Is it, is it a lot of meta? And how's the retail game as well? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the name of the game really is being omni-channel. Um, and people talk about this a lot and it sounds like a big buzzword, but the bottom line is you need to be available to your customers through the path of least resistance. So if you have customers that you can acquire or that you currently have on Amazon, be there because that's where they order from. If they want to be a subscriber on your website, provide a great customer journey and experience for them to be loyal and part of your ecosystem on your website. If they only buy in store, and like me personally, I'm not much of a consumer, but when I buy things, especially things I'm ingesting, I'm buying them in stores, you gotta be in those stores, right? And then there's other delivery services, like we're on GoPuff in the US. So all these different channels, and they all, they're all so instrumental now, because you can't just rely on one and say, hey, I, I do you know, all my business on my website, and I'm content with that. Um, chances are the that's probably shrinking for you. So you got to be where where people are and where consumers are ready to to purchase from. Are you continuing to buy podcast? No, no, we stopped a, a little while ago. Yeah, we were working with a, a few other shows up until recently, but it just the return the return has died down a little bit. Um, it used to be such a good little arbitrage <laughs> um, in a way, but it, and it used to be the best tool for customer acquisition, but yeah, not any, not anymore. Really interesting. And I heard there's a bit of a delay often, or there, there is like a longer tail with podcasting as well. I guess people are listening to it in the day, but people are always going back and, and catching old episodes. 
Yeah. Okay. So the value is like it was evergreen for sure. But if you you'd see most of your results within the first three days, and then the following three days after that, you'd see a little bit more. But after a week, yeah, I would say chalk it up to like it's it's done in a sense. And if you get this trickle in effect of a few orders here and there from your evergreen ads, you're good. But I think anyone who says podcasting is a longer term game now is is uh, using that in. A, as an excuse, because it really <laughs> should be a direct response. Interesting, um, right? You you think about it, you're listening to your favorite show, and some and the host says, "Hey, like I was I was doing this. I I took these two capsules, and I'm feeling my best. And I'm you know I was out last night. I'm feeling my best today." You're like, "Okay, cool. If you're gonna do it, if you're gonna act on it, he's giving you a promo code. He's giving you a call to action, and then you're gonna do it now, right? You're not gonna do it later. Um, so there's that level of like impulsiveness that's there through the you know, that mode of advertising. And if the ad doesn't stick or the audience isn't receptive, it's not going to hit. Is there any B2B play ever? Or is, there, is there a world where like high-end clubs would sell sell or like have the product in the bathrooms kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, like there's always the vending machine play in the bathroom that comes down to sort of the infrastructure. Do you have a vending machine? Do they have, yeah. do they have it? Do you have it? Who's setting it up? Does anyone buy anything in a vending machine in a bar anymore? Yeah, I don't know as much. And then we get with digital vending machines, like is vending machine culture there in North America? Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one too. I think if you were in Asia, somewhere like Japan, where everything is like that, then you'd probably be better off. But more so like, you know, a bar or a club, you need it to be conversational. So we do work with some restaurants and, and like pubs kind of thing. And they sell through product and we have signage here and there. And, you know, we tee things up with them. It's the perfect location, but really they're one-off relationships, right? It just has me thinking about like affinity groups in a way. And you mentioned uh, Spit and Chicklets, which is a, a fantastic podcast. It's an interesting product because every, you, there's all these different ways you can connect to it because everyone has, or most people have experience with a hangover. And so I'm curious, like what are some other ways you've connected to like other affinity groups for how they use the product specifically? Yeah. I mean, like our messaging is very aspirational. So we look to people who want to achieve balance and are high performers. So, um, you know, if you're into a, sort of a culinary experience, you like to pair your food with your drinks. So red wine and steaks, or, you know, this cocktail goes great with that, whatever the case may be, um, food pairings and that kind of thing. There's a lot of people that don't overconsume alcohol and they're still there for the experience. They want that pal their palate to feel a certain way, uh, but they don't want to feel rough the next day, and they want to they want a wellness product that will help them feel their best, right? Um, so those are the audiences we try and lean in on, not the over consumers. We don't use the, um, you know that binge messaging anywhere. Um, I yeah. we don't use the H word; it's a swear word in my vocabulary because uh, okay. I just it's associated with overconsumption, right? Um, yeah. but the cool thing is there's actually been this movement towards like sober curious, right? Yeah. And that has actually been great for us because the expectation is changing around alcohol. Um, you know, people aren't forced to overconsume. They're not forced to drink anymore in social settings. They can do as they please, but there are people that still enjoy to have a couple drinks and, they're looking for solutions like ours or other brands. And, you know, there are a handful of other brands that are doing great work in the space too, um, to provide that, you know, reprieve for them so they can feel their, I say it, you know, sound like a broken record, but feel their best. Right. Um, yeah. and get back to, you know, the next morning you got to hit a, a workout or a meeting or just want to be, you know, bright eyed and 
not sluggish the next day. So I think that movement has actually been great because it gives more education to like, okay, what is alcohol? Well, it's a toxin. Okay, what's what's the issue with this toxin? Well, it's actually broken down into something 20 times more toxic than itself uh, through its natural metabolism. So how do you how do you mitigate that or how do you protect yourself before that problem has a chance to start? And that's where we come into play. Marketers, if you're finding yourself manually creating segments on Shopify and then waiting 20 minutes to download just so you can upload to Google, Meta, or Attentive to keep your audiences in sync, try Trestle Segments. Segments makes segmentation easy and profitable. Choose from pre-built audiences backed by data or make your own. Segments will keep synced across Klaviyo, Meta, TikTok, and more. They've just launched Filter GPT, so now you can segment using natural language. For example, just say, customers who bought during last year's holidays but ghosted since, and voila, it's done for you, ready for retargeting. Isn't AI wonderful? Try it today at trestle.co slash DTC. That's T-R-E-S-L dot co slash DTC for a special offer. Have you done any events? Have you done anything in the event promotional space? Because like, I just feel there's there could be a good affinity there. I see like a Red Bull type vibe with, with the product. Yeah, Red Bull like pioneer, pioneered that stuff with, you know, those marketing, field marketing teams and big events and all that. Um, I think, you know, as we gear up with a bigger product selection and set, we'll be looking to do more. Um, we do host like an annual um, customer appreciation so, so are like long-term customers locally that we'll have in Vancouver. We'll have, have out for a barbecue and invite people, have a time, that kind of thing. But we don't do anything on a big scale because a lot of our resources go in more into sales-related efforts. And whereas some of the, you know, the field marketing stuff doesn't, it's less attributable, but it's better for awareness. So I think once we have a bit more in terms of retail, uh, like national retailers, then you can invest more into some of those awareness plays where you're like, all right, it just takes them knowing about you and then they see it on shelf and they'll pick it up. That's, that's kind of the approach. How about big is the team right now? Yeah. So we are six people, um, more or less full time, super lean. super lean. I mean, that's the name of the game. And then we have a couple part time and then some brokers on the sales side. So like, you know, if you were to say full time, how many people working, it's 10 people, including part time. So chalk it up like eight, right? The, the labor yeah. hours of eight. Uh, lean and mean team. I think we're in a day and age where we're bragging about how small our teams are and not how big they are anymore. Yeah, That means you don't true. have the, the same office overhead. That means you're, uh, you know, likely have some, some cash flow. Whereas big, big teams, unless you have massive revenues, you know, you got your revenues have to support the team, right? So that is uh, hypercritical. And we're in, I mean, you see it in CPG now, especially, and SaaS and everywhere else. There's been layoffs. There's been, fortunately, we haven't had to lay anyone off to that extent, but uh, you know, we, we want to, it just means roles have shifted and people are doing more in order to make sure we're hitting our, our marks. Do meta ads work for the product in, in your price point for the bundling ability or has, has that been a challenge? Uh, recently I'd say meta has been a bit of a challenge. I think they have, you know, it got bad with all the iOS updates and then it got worse and then it's been a slow burn, slowly trickling down and getting worse and worse. So I think, you know, consumers are smart. Every four or five years, ten uh, I guess with Facebook's example, Meta's example, it might be like eight to ten years, but there's a there's a shift, right? A, a bit of a paradigm shift in marketing and we gotta figure out what that next thing is. But I'll tell you, Facebook and Instagram, if you're trying to launch a brand and you don't have any customers existing, I wouldn't go that way. Uh, cause you can spend a lot of money really quick on not a whole lot. 
So we have, I think we've talked, we've hit on a lot of things you might say to the answer to this, but like we have a lot of uh, aspirational brands listening to this or very early stage brands listening to this. And so you yep. just mentioned, you know, hey, if you're looking to come in and hit the scale button on on Meta and Instagram uh, in 2023, 24, you're going to have a problem. What would you suggest to brands who are starting out to, to how to think about, first of all, I think their product and then how they're going to grow it? Yeah. So I think there's like this mode of thinking. It's like, Think global, act local in a way. Um, so you build these little pockets of communities that would be interested in what you're creating. So you could start, the good thing Facebook has or Meta has is a Facebook groups, right? So if that's where your uh, potential customers hang out, create a Facebook groups, start inviting people to it, start getting them in there as product testers, if it's a product or service testers or, or whatever the case may be, start building that little bit of a community in one spot where you can chat with them, right? One-on-one, then ultimately listen to them and provide them with exactly the solution they want. That may be vastly different from what you envision creating, but at least you know it'll sell because you already have your customers in one place and you have a way to contact them and communicate with them. They're already acquired and really chomping at the bit to get what you have, right? Because it's a direct request from them. So I think, you know, you, you really got to like crawl before you you walk and run here because if you jump in too quick and say, hey, I'm launching this brand, well, I mean... Do you want it or does, you know, do, does, do other people want it? I think that's, exactly. a, and you can Is do it, all that for free. You can do all that Intel for free with Facebook groups or, you know, that's all stuff you can do before you have to lay down cash is just start building relationships and hundred percent or even questions. WhatsApp groups or something like that, where yeah. there can be some, some discourse, right? Some, some communication back and forth. That's why discord was actually really good for more of the crypto community and, and whatnot, right. And NFTs. Uh, you know, when that had its day in the sun. But um, I think some find out where all these people hang out, spend their time. If it's yoga classes, go to every yoga class in the city and make connections with people one on one. You got to start really at the grassroots and like, you know, on the ground efforts are are hypercritical. I'm always out at trade shows now. I'm on the ground anywhere I go. I'm meeting people and the brand is top of mind. Ultimately, it comes out like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, let me just show you. Here's a packet of what we do. You know, use it now, use it later. Don't use it, share it with a friend. But, uh, you know, I'll leave no days wasted with you one, one way or another. I feel like conferences are, would be such a good captive audience in different ways. I've just been to so many conferences and people are always giving inferior hangover kits and stuff like that. I sorry the H word yeah. kits, but uh, but yeah, have, have, I, I, I like that you you've, you've put a big emphasis on your ground game. Yeah, I think the ground game is key because ultimately, when people have a little bit of a connection with whatever a product or service, they're more inclined to you know support it. But to kind of contradict that, if they're too connected, so like I wouldn't rec you know rely on your friends being your customers. A lot of people say, I'm gonna launch this, I'm gonna sell it to all my friends, I know so many people. That's not your customer base. Maybe there's some that will support you, maybe there's some that use it, but I don't look at my friends and be upset that they're not purchasing, right? I'm like, they might not be my customer, or maybe whatever, we might be too close, or maybe we're not good enough friends. I don't know, what it, whatever it is, but the truth is you need to find people that fit the mold of what you're, they have this as an actual problem and they're seeking out solutions for it. And those are going to be your customers. And then you put them all together and then you've built a community. 
So start with the community, tailor the product to them. So much importance is in the actual offer you create. You can do so, you used to be able to slam a lot of ads at a maybe a less perfected offer and make it work, but those days are gone. So make sure that you have put a lot of strategy and thought into your offer. And then omni-channel, I guess. And I think that's the neat thing. Omni-channel used to be a word that you'd hear echoed in like the hugest agencies in the world, right? But omni-channel really is something you can you can put together at lower scales. It's true. I mean, the one thing is like retail. So if you're going to use retail, a part of your omni-channel strategy, I would not go like trying to pitch the, the big national grocery stores or big box Walmarts or Targets of the world. Rather, I'd say, okay, let's find the hot spots in the neighborhoods, the mom and pops. You can get it easy. Yes. Go give them a free 10 pack, 12 pack, whatever it is that you're selling, put it on the counter and say, Hey, look, if this doesn't sell, I'll buy it back. I'll, I'll there's no risk here, right? Um, you have to be willing to take those sort of risks in that regard and then start building it up that way. So you get 20, 30, 40 mom and pop shops. You all have personal relationships with you've mastered the art of merchandising and making sure that the consumer who's looking for your product knows where to find it because they're purchasing it in the context of where they would look for it. Right. Then, then you use that as a use case and say, Hey, look, we have sell through at these independents with minimal marketing, just with, this is how we merchandise it. And we're very specific about this. We think we can do well with a smaller regional chain. So maybe you move to like a five to 10 store grocery chain or something that like that regionally. So the thing is, I think anything that's launched in this day and age, if you don't have a celebrity co-founder, you'd probably have to go take a little bit more time and be a very, sorry, a lot more deliberate on the ground to get your proof of concept and to get rolling. So give yourself a, you know, six months to a year to start building things up to a point where you're like, okay, now I'm going to approach some bigger players, but that's just still like a year of proving things out. So, you know, CPG, for example, and direct to consumer in this day and age is not for a quick buck. It's for, you got to have passion. You got to give a damn and uh, you, you got to be very deliberate with what you do and be ready to iterate too. Right. Yeah. And pivot. Um, I, I, and even when you're the biggest, most well-supported backed, uh, beverage brand in the world, like BioSteel, which, uh, avid listeners of the podcast might know I've become obsessed with recently. Uh, and we, we wrote about it in the newsletter. They, you know, half a billion in debt. It's such an interesting story to me because I feel like Canopy, the big cannabis company yep. bought them basically with, and, and kind of forgot that they weren't selling vice, Right. When you're selling vice, when you're selling liquor, when you're selling, uh, you know, cannabis or whatever, you sort of have a captive audience in some ways. People are just selecting, but like and they have that and there's like a perpetual desire for it in a way, Mm -hmm. whereas like they just tried to jump into this huge sports drink category and spent so much money on marketing uh, and just couldn't and then couldn't make it work the way they were able to work with with uh, cannabis. Yeah, well, first off, I mean, quick shout out to hydration products, our hydration replenisher. I'll have to get you some in, so yeah. you can you can give it a go. Um, I got to wean uh, off the bio steel. They're going bankrupt. I, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, I think someone will pick up that business pennies on I the dollar so, if they sure. haven't already. Um, I actually got to chat with some of their team at some of the trade shows recently that I've been to. And I was like, you know what? Like, I love what they were doing. Um, First of all, let me speak about competition. I love competition because if there's no competition, you're playing in a category that really no one knows about and it just makes it so much more difficult to break in. Um, so that's why I say, you know, in our space, there's like, it's almost like the antioxidant alcohol health space. It's a new emerging category. If we don't have good 
competitors with like staying power and have a good leg to stand on, um, then it's going to be even tougher for us. So the guys that are here today gone tomorrow, I'm not a big fan of them, but the ones that are like, we're here and we're here to stay. I'm like, great. You better, you better. Cause that's, that's to bring, especially in an emerging category. Up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Rising tide raises all boats. Right? Exactly. Exactly. But on the biosteel front, I think, you know, um, they spent a lot. It's the classic story of like, okay, the war chest is too big and you give the funds to the wrong people. And then they, they're like, we got to spend this money on marketing. So let's just tick all these boxes. Okay. Sports. Great. Every sports league under the sun. I think the NBA, they had specific teams. Uh, I got one fact that it's probably not even, I mean, if you looked it up, you could probably find it, but they did not sell at any retailers in the Southern California market yet. They were, the uh, hydration sponsor of the Los Angeles Lakers. Wow. So, so just like you're not even giving the consumer an opportunity, right? It's um, a bad ground game right there. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a great ground game. So, yeah. um, you know, the biggest thing is if you're going to do an activation like that, you, like, for example, we're partnered with the Florida Panthers. You can buy our product in stadium right? And we're pushing in stadium purchases. So, um, and then still we're missing the part of having retail like uh, bountiful retailers, but we're chatting with some that are like, they're fired up and ready to go. And we made that a priority. Um, but you can't have these long-term partnerships without, you know, somewhere to drive that call to action, right? Because ultimately marketing is supposed to facilitate sales. And I think all marketing, some shape or form should be either a strong touch point where it's like creates some sort of connection and gets people excited and, or it's driving a sale or an action where you're getting an email, a lead collection, you're getting an SMS, you're getting them to try it, right? A lot of these beverage brands are like liquid to lips kind of concept, right? So you gotta be doing a lot of that and, and then give them a chance to do it. But if you're just plastering your logo all over everything, people don't care about logos. They, they How many logos are you hitting? It's weird. It just worked in yeah. some ways. It's funny. I've met a bunch. I've met like my daughter has some friends who are just like, oh man, you got BioSteel. Like it's like, it is us. Like it worked the overkill in the NHL in particular, I think throughout the ranks of the NHL worked. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of young Canadian kids who, who love the brand probably, probably in the, in the States as well. It's such a solid product. It's like people should not be drinking Gatorade or anything with, with fructose corn syrup in it, or even probably aspartame or sucralose at this point. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so what, so basically this is a pitch. If anyone's out there, wants to join a management group, uh, you know, an ownership group, we can take, uh, you know, get pennies on the dollar for BioSteel. Like I'm a hundred percent in just throwing that out there. <laughs> Would you, you join yeah, You join yeah, the well, board, right? Nichelle? I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, that'd be a fun, fun experience. If you're offering it up and yeah. let's go. <laughs> it's a little impromptu, but any, any billionaire investors out there, let's, let's, let's hear about it. Uh, also, you're, uh, it's, it's the start of the NHL hockey season today. Uh, it appears as though you're a, you're a hockey fan. What do you think about the Vancouver Canucks chance this year? Yeah, I mean, I've been a Canucks fan, you know, my whole life, more or less, um, being from Vancouver. They have a lot of promising young stars, which is great. I think the thing with, you know, you got to really respect the process. You got to not say, let's win too quickly here because you got to build on what you have, right? You got to develop the players. You got to get pucks on net. We are, the Canucks are really bad at getting pucks on net and they just need to start with that simple mantra, pucks on net, attacking a little harder, being more aggressive and everyone working harder. And I think you have a good, uh, a good foundation with Demko and Ned and, and some of the young bucks like Pedersen and Hughes that. If he stays, that, I hear they're, they're, they're sounding the alarm. Anyway, we, we don't need to go too much into it. I think it's also a good metaphor. I think if anyone listens to that and just applies it to their D2C business as well, yeah. pucks on net. 
uh, no, like that's a, a great ground game. <laughs> Pucks on net yeah. across the board in life, right? Yeah. Like, shoot your shot. Get yeah. after it, right? You got to You got to try. You got to ask for help. You hear it all the time. If you don't, if you don't ask, you don't get. And simply put, if you don't shoot, you don't score. <laughs> so hundred percent. Okay, I got to ask you then. If we were to give you a fifty thousand uh, dollar government grant uh, without all the strings attached, all you got to do is use it for growth. Uh, how would you be using it in uh, Q4 heading into uh, 2024? Yeah, I mean, I'd actually use it on uh, influencers that are proven. So like fi- like doing some digging and finding the right influencers, I'd actually, all I'd ask for is like a one and a half return. Um, and then once, you know, you bring all those people in your pipeline, it's on you to, to uh, retain them. But yeah, influencer marketing, most likely. Very cool. Is that something that you are leveraging now at a smaller scale and seeing some success with? Yeah, we have a select few people that have been really great for us on varying scales. So we're just leaning into them and, and you know, their audiences are receptive to what we do. So uh, trying to replicate some of that success. Again, no silver bullet because they're all relationship. They're one-on-one based. Yep. But once you build that that bridge and you can, you can nurture it and uh, see value on both sides and people get excited and, and you keep it rolling and that helps the cash flow too. Have you seen what Tabs Chocolate has done? I talked about this on the podcast. They talked about it last year, but they basically have dozens of sort of like affiliates in a way where people spin up secondary accounts to be like Tabs Chocolate, you know, Chicago or whatever. And they become like affiliate salespeople sort of leveraging a network. I wonder if that's something you guys could ever consider just because again, it's, it has, the product would have a, a, a lot of affinity with that youth culture. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, we don't go after the youth, so that's one of the things we go after. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of an older demo. So, like you know, once you're approaching your 30s, you're kind of falling into a bucket that we think you're you have a more healthy relationship with alcohol, and we're not trying to. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, you're not trying to drink for the sake of drinking. You're trying to. It might just you know you might have a couple drinks here and there, right? Yeah. So after ball um, hockey, but, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you're you're catching up with with the squad and um, and you know celebrating a win or whatever the case may be, right? Hundred percent. Nice. Well, thanks for celebrating your win here on the DZ podcast, man. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it, Eric. It's it's been a blast. All right, brother. We'll connect again soon. Sounds good. And if anyone's looking for our products, you can check out nodayswasted.co or .ca in Canada. Um, and we're actually launching our hydration replenisher in Canada in the next six weeks. So mid, by mid-November, you'll see it. I'm going to get on that and let's prove that the podcast bump isn't over. Go grab some product and I'll uh, give you guys a code. We'll, we'll go to DTC 20 for 20% off. And uh, yeah, amazing. A little, little DTC let's, bump. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at direct to consumer, all one word.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.